one of the things that he said is, you know, what do you want to do when you, you graduate from high school? And, and I said, oh, I want to be a dentist. And he looked down at the papers in front of him, and then he looked back at me, and he said, well, no, dear, you want to be a hygienist. And I looked right at him, and I said, I know the difference between a dentist and a hygienist. I want to be the dentist. And he looked down at the papers again, and he just put his hand on my arm, and he said, you're not smart enough. And that's, I got to tell you, that moment in time, that one moment in my life, actually has fueled my entire life. Because mm. nobody's ever going to tell me what to do, and nobody can tell me I can't do something because I'm going to prove you wrong. Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our overgloves together for Tooth Life, Irene and Katrina the Wine Genist. And welcome back, peeps, to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, Peeps with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. We're doing a brief introduction. We promised last week that was an intro that turned into an episode, but now we're doing a whole brief introduction to an episode that we will promise we are releasing today. But I mean, people are asking us to do more Irene and Trains. So that I know they they like us, they love us. So, where you picked up, uh, well, let's pick up where we left off, which is RDH under one roof. Yes. Right? We show up, RDH Under One Roof was hosted in beautiful Orlando this year, which was fantastic. How was your RDH Under One Roof, Irene? Right. Well, you remember Luggage Gate, the whole issue that I had with my bags. (laughs) Luggage Gate. Luggage Gate. People on Instagram were calling it Luggage Gate. Like, I didn't even coin that term. They were so invested in the the luggage situation. I ended Mm -hmm. up getting air tags for my bags. I um, created artwork on my actual luggage. I never thought I'd be that person that would put like stickers and stuff on their bags. I think it's so cute what you did. You guys have to I check wrote, it out on Instagram. It's beautiful. I wrote, I wrote I wrote words. I wrote words in sparkly red letters. One bag was called bag. The other bag was called minty vamos. I had a cool bag and then I had, um, what was the last one? Zoom. Because I had to make letters mm. with like what the resources that I had available. Anyways, I put the air tags inside the bags. I went to the airport, living my best life. All of the bags were where I was sitting. And then as I'm about to get on the plane, I noticed that one of the bags was not where the rest of the bags were, which was on the Ugh. plane. And at this point, I am the last person because I'm like, I'm waiting. Like I'm waiting for this bag to arrive. It was Minty Vamos that was not uh, not arriving. So I'm I'm at the no. lady and the lady's like, are you going to Orlando? And I'm like, I am, but like, I'm so sorry, but I don't want to be that person. But like one of my bags is not on the plane. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I have air tags in them. This is, this bag has the word minty and vamos on it. And there's some stickers and it's pink and I need you to find this bag. And she's like, what do you want me to do? Like the plane is leaving. I'm like, can't you just like walkie talkie somebody? 
And she's like, walkie talkie. She's like, I'm, you know, like the, the device that like, she's like, ma'am, it's, speak it's into. 2022. Like right. I, we don't do so walkie talkies. She's like, I can call the like baggage guy. Like there's a baggage person that organizes or triages bags or whatever. So they walkie talkie this person and, uh, they made me play the sound on my air tag to find my bag, which was actually on the wrong little trolley so they had it <gasps> going to a different no. plane yeah <gasps> so so then i see my air tag moving and they found the located the bag put it on the trolley and then i see minty vamos coming towards the plane on its <sighs> own little trolley thing and it gets on the plane and i get on the plane we're only 20 minutes late at this point because of another luggage saga okay uh, i was gonna say this the, you're the last person on the plane and everyone stares at everyone's you, looking at you and they're like yeah they were like, it's, it's, it's this bitch. Uh-huh. Like, it's this bitch. Uh-huh. There's like little children yeah. wearing Mickey Mouse ears. And they're like, mommy, mommy, <laughs> that's the lady that made me late to see Mickey. Like, that was that was what was happening. And then I'm walking on. I'm like, no, but my bag. And like, nobody cares. They were just like, sit down. Let's yeah. go. Like, You're like, you don't understand luckily, who I am. <laughs> I'm like, don't you know? You don't know what just happened. The trauma I had a few weeks ago. Uh, oh so anyway, God. so I refused to get on the plane. I actually posted it to Instagram that this was happening. And I was like, what do I do? Do I get on or do I not get on? And like a lot of people were like, get on. And, and some people were like, I'm not getting on. Anyway, so we got on, got to AD, got to ADJ, RDH under one roof, um, picked up my carpet. <laughs> she doesn't even know what show she's at. I don't at. know if anybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows, like, you have to have a carpet to host your own booth. And most of the time you have to like, you rent it from the trade show just because it's easy, but it only comes in like two colors. It's like a gray or red or blue. Um, and they're like $500 to rent, which is terrible. So I like mm-hmm. to extra and I wanted really bright colors. So at, at ADHA, I got a bright pink one at RDH under one roof. It's like bright yellow. Cause we rebranded tooth life. And um, I had to go and pick it up because they dropped it off at the wrong FedEx. It was like, so same thing. Like, you know, I'm renting a car, a Jeep, like doing Home Depot run to pick up a trolley because I can't carry this, this stupid trolley. What do you call it? You laugh at me because it's like, we call call them um, like a cart. A cart. Okay. Like just a cart. bought a cart. Like one of those like four wheelie things. Um, And then set up the booth. Americans would call that a cart. Absolute chaos. Like chaos amazing chaos like people literally throwing money at me to like buy a yes and so your bag i don't i that, don't think you know I what the bag anybody. i'm talking about yeah you, but you know the bag i'm talking about right it's like this like iridescent oh, the, the, super cute yeah we, everybody yes. had one like that was like the thing to have at rdh yeah. under one roof and i'm yeah. like i and I, I said that i was i was at a booth and i'm like what is this bag and they're like oh i got it at tooth life and i'm like of course you did so then i'm like irene i need one of those <laughs> yeah. bags and it wasn't even it was the last out. day of rdh and you're like oh we're already sold out I'm like yeah even for your podcast you are i brought a hundred of these bags i'll send you one that was not but enough these, that like, was not enough were, it's like a, you guys gotta check it out bag. it's a vinyl tote bag but it's like iridescent and had like cute teeth, smiley face on it. And I didn't expect that it would, I didn't even expect that it would sell. Like I was going to give them away for free with purchases. But then after the first day, I went from a hundred to like 25 and people were like, can I buy it? And I was like, how much should I charge for this? I'm like, I don't know. It yeah. cost me like five bucks to make. I'm like, sure, 10. Um, but yeah. So anyways, you can buy them on the website, but um, it was pretty fun. That's awesome. Uh, that was kind of cool. And, th- and it was just like overwhelming how many people were there and how many people like were coming by to buy stuff and then take photos. And 
it's kind of cool because then I have like one place where everyone kind of comes to me sort of thing to say hi. Yeah. Yes. But um, I didn't speak at this event. Um, I wasn't selected to speak this year. And um, maybe we were so busy, though. I got to go to the pool at the end, like one last pool day, but it was pouring. Were you at the pool when they then sounded the alarm and made everybody come in because of the storm? So I wasn't there yet. I snuck out to the pool while it was closed because I was like, I'm just going to want, I just want to sit outside, have a drink after all of this. Like, I just need to just, you know, put my feet in some water and it was pouring. And I so desperately, I love rain. I so desperately just wanted to go swimming in the rain and like wash all my sorrows away. Cause I got some like bad news while I was there. So I just wanted to like lay in the swimming pool and just let it rain on me. But they wouldn't let me in the water because there was thunder and lightning. And I, at that point, I kind of wished that it would hit me. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I wouldn't be so upset if lightning hit me today. Like, it can't hit twice, oh, can it? Man. Um, it can't. So, so that was my show. And then we were supposed to wow. do some stuff, some Instagram stuff, which never happened because I didn't have many helpers to help me at the booth. And, <sighs> you know, it was just, it was just chaos, but I got home. Okay. You? Good. I'm so glad you got show? home. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, you know, so RDH was great. It's, you know, it's so funny. I, and I love how you share about like what it was like to be at the booth and going to Home Depot and picking up your carpet and doing, you know, doing all the things, you know, people see that like your beautiful booth and they don't necessarily understand all of the behind the scenes stuff that happens, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. My, my RDH was great. It's I just like you, I was booked with like back-to-back stuff and speaking at people's booths and delivering programs and, you know, um, networking things and all that. And it's just, it's so amazing, but I don't know if you ever feel this way. Like, I feel like I was being pulled in so many different directions that it's really hard to just be present. You know what I mean? I I met so many amazing people that were like, Oh my God, you know, and, and I wanted to like spend time, like talking to them and learning about who they are and where do you practice and, you know, but it's like, but you're getting, but it's like, but I, I have to be at, this booth in like four minutes. So I'm so sorry. Yeah, like I really want, you know, like so color coordinated. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's hard, but also it's so fulfilling and amazing. Um, and A so I think, you know, I, and and like, I always feel this to your podcast. Exactly. Like, oh, I know. Yes. Shout out <laughs> to everybody who came up to us yeah. and was like, Oh, we listen to two third air. Like, we, thank you so much. Like that's, yeah. I love that. Cause we finally get to like meet the people who are hearing us just like be yeah. dumb on the microphone all the time, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> and then I don't know about you, but after this, then I start to get like the post show blues a little bit. Like I'm like, Oh, I want to see everybody again. So it's like, what do you do? You know? Yeah. But, um, I wanted to say I presented, um, a program on dental implants and one of the products that I featured is um, a product from our friends at Designs for Vision. Um, this, Ooh. so this particular product actually is, and I've been presenting quite a bit on it, um, is a, a new technology that they're offering where you can actually turn on um, a, a transilluminating light that allows you to see inflammation um, mm. and it allows you to see calculus deposits and allows you to be very definitive in your treatment. Um, and it just, it, it's really fantastic because when you look at the technology and, you know, where we're going and, you know, what, what tools you're putting on your tray 
to be able to treat patients, you also forget that what you are wearing is a critical layer to the care that we're providing to our patients. So um, I absolutely right. loved that. And I think that's an amazing segue to kind of share about some of the incredible things that our friends yeah. from Designs for Vision are doing um, to help the provider be a better provider and uh, be a more whole person <laughs> uh, in everything yeah. that we're doing. So what's what's new? What's the scuttle from uh, Designs for Vision, Irene Irene? Well, you know I'm obsessed with my infinity view loops, which are like the ergonomic loops. I've got two pairs of them now, one in um, the Yeoman frame, which is like the solid metal Mm -hmm. frame in like a gray, and then my newest pair, which are only like a few months old, we're kind of piloting this different frame, which is a thinner frame, a lighter frame, but it has more like um, space above the loop for me to look over. Um, in the mm-hmm. Ranger frame. So those are fabulous. They're doing a, they've extended their free trial. So normally for their, any of their loops, their free trial is 45 days, money back guarantee, no questions asked. Like if, if it doesn't fit your vibe, then you can return them. But what they've done is they've done 60 days. They've done two full months for their infinity view loop. So if there's you know, you want to wow. try them out, but you're not certain because of whatever, it's a different perspective, then you can return them within 60 days, which I think is like a pretty fabulous, um, pretty fabulous uh, additional value. And for someone it's amazing. That, you know, it's, it's an investment, right? Like it's an investment long term. So if someone's like, oh, I don't know if I'm quite there yet, you can try them and then return them. But I doubt that anyone ever returns them after that. Yeah. So, but here's what I love about this. So the infinity views change how you are looking at your patient. Yes. So the actual scope itself is canted in such a way that you are now not doing that light bend that happens. Hygienists out there, you know what I'm talking about, where you get that like posterior. Every time I get a massage, I'm like my posterior occipitals because I'm a hygienist. And (laughs) by the way, um, everyone was watching me place sealants. My ergonomics are the worst. So when I was placing sealants in Africa last month, I'm like, I need to like get it together. So um, the infinity views are amazing because we all remember the very first time you put on a pair of loops and you weren't used to wearing loops and what it was like to put those scopes on it. it, They feel different. So I love that designs for vision is giving us 60 days because you will literally sit differently. yeah. Yeah. You yeah. lose it differently because you are you are no longer doing that bend, and you realize how accustomed your body has become to doing that light bend, that light tip in it's your neck. Not even the neck bend too. Like I notice in my hips. Like normally with my other loops, I was kind of leaning more to my right and dropping my right uh-huh. hip. Like I don't uh-huh. even do that anymore. And even when I'm trying to do direct vision with my loops. Um, before you kind of lean to one side with your That's infinity right. views, you yep. can't do that. You have to lift you your can't. head up to be able to use direct vision. So then I'm actually like, I'm sitting back in my chair. It's a very different experience um, from one to the other. So I, I, I mean, I can't even, I think it would be do, us doing an injustice by trying to explain to you. I know, I know. You just have medium. to come on. You just have to try it. I mean, I really do encourage you, even if, if for whatever reason you decide you don't want to keep them, but like definitely try them out. Um, it is kind of a life-changing thing. And, and, and I'm sad yeah. that I have so many pairs of non-Infinity View loops, 
Although after mentioning that to our peeps, they've implemented a, a, a trade-in program. So if you trade in a pair of loops for Infinity View loops, I think you get like somewhere between $250 and $400 credit towards your next set of loops. So I've got four That's other amazing. pairs that I might end up just like, yeah, I wonder if they can just convert them into Infinity View loops from like the regular loop because I, I love the frames of them and I like changing my frames because I wear loops like fashion. I don't know. I've got like six pairs of loops. You um, do. So yeah. I feel like I I do. I do. I've got two infinity views, uh, two Zienna frames, one in black and one in tortoise. I have a, a Yeoman pink and mm-hmm. uh, no, that's five. Oh, I have another pair from a different company. I think I considered that the six. Maybe I'll start with those ones, trading those ones. Yeah. In. Um, so yeah, I do have six pairs, but I do wear them quite a bit. Like I'll wear the pink ones when I see a lot of kids and I'll use my heavier frame, um, when I do like a long SRP and my lighter frame, when I'm like bopping in and out of like quick procedures, sealants, like doing a lot of different things. So I don't know. I, I sure. wear my loops based on the procedure that I wear, but anyway, <laughs> that's check amazing. That out. And thank you to our Guys. keeps at designs for vision for yes. With, um, Cheers to them sponsoring this episode. We appreciate you very much, and we do so have an we have an episode. You Are you ready for this, Irene? Do you I want do you want a song? You want a song? Oh, you're doing a. I want a song. I already know. Okay, okay, let's go. Let's okay. do it. I don't know, but let, Are you ready? let's do it now. I'm excited because I never. All right, I never here we go. All right, here we go. This is for you, Irene. Irene. Wait, that's not the song. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Come On Irene. It's not. It's no. similar. You were to also doing Irene. the Backstreet Boys mm-hmm. dance, by the way. <laughs> oh. Do you know it? Do you know it? MJ. It's MJ. It is um, Michael Jackson. It is. um, Our episode was MJ. And the Mm -hmm. person. The person person. is MJ. Dr. MJ Hanlon. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Dr. MJ Hanlon. Yes. Nice job, Irene. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so proud of you journey for us. I know. It's a great journey. She's putting more chapstick on so she's like not feeling uncomfortable. It was a a fabulous episode with with Dr. MJ Hanlon. Here it is. Enjoy and we'll catch you on the flip side. On the flippity flip. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited. It is your favorite podcasting ginger, Katrina, and I am here with my dental bestie, Irene Irene, and a super fun guest that I cannot wait for everybody to meet. I've been on her podcast, um, so you need to absolutely zip over and check out her pod. We'll learn a lot more about that. But before we get uh, deep diving into who she is as a person, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we welcome to the podcast the amazing Dr. MJ Hanlon. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ooh. Katrina and Irina, for having me. I am like so excited to be here. It's it's a great way to finish out a good day. Well, maybe I, oh, not a so good, good day, day yeah. but... <laughs> 
good day. All the things, Agreed. all the things that are said on the podcast before we hit record, right? Like yeah, we all so had a great day. Things. So we're 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 so excited to to have you on the show. Um, and uh, of course, in a true style of tooth or dare podcastness, I know who you are, but Irene loves yeah. learning about who our guests are organically throughout the pod. So we're super excited to have you on. Um, Irene, do you want to do the thing? I do. I do. So like, like you mentioned, MJ, we, we haven't met in real life. And I, whenever I know a guest is going to be on our podcast, I like put my blinders on. So if anyone says anything about the guest, I kind of do like no spoilers. Like I don't want to know anything. Don't tell me anything. Don't share anything. And normally Katrina's like, let me add this information into this thing and let me share it with you. And I'm like, no, I want to learn about this human in, in as close to real life as this is. So I want to go back to the future if possible. Can we go back to like the beginning of time? How far back can we go? Elementary school, high school, like Katrina always wants to know if our guests were in the band. Can you tell what us what instrument did you play in the marching band? Yeah, yeah. What, I, oh I feel like my she was gosh, a flautist. that's an oldie one. Um, Do you think she was a flautist? I'm feeling I'm feeling the clarinet or the alto sax. Really? Ah, clarinet and baritone sax. Yes. Very see, good, I just, Katrina. See, I'm telling you, it it's, right. it's a skill I have. I'm feeling it. Man. Good. Yep. So yep. tell us where where did where were you born? Where'd you grow up? And what was your what was your you know early pre dental life like? So I actually spent so much time in dentistry. I can't tell you that what happened before my pre-dental time because first job was working in a dental office. But before no that, I grew up in Franklin, Massachusetts and okay. great little town, um, about an hour south of Boston, right on the Rhode Island border and uh, beautiful home life. I, I feel very fortunate. I'm one of six kids. It was absolute mayhem in my house. Uh, six kids and a St. Bernard and a Volkswagen bus. So you put it all together <laughs> and you tell me what you think it was like. Um, it was a Brady bunch. Yeah, it was a Brady bunch. It was a Brady bunch household. Yeah. And it was, it was okay. absolute mayhem. So um, I loved growing up there. I, I don't spend much time there now because I, I just have some friends that are still there, but I don't see them very often. Mm, okay. That's awesome. And then, yeah. and then what happened from, from then until what made you decide to go into dentistry? I don't know. I came home one day and I told my mom that I wanted to become a dentist and she probably gave me the best piece of advice that I've ever had, which was, well, don't you think you want to know something about that before you spend this much time in there, mm. in, in a profession or learning something? And so I did. I, I took that seriously. And I went and I found a job after school um, as a freshman, first year um, at 14, and started working with an orthodontist. And they were Dr. Kaplan's office in Franklin, Mass. And they were just unbelievable to me, treated me like family and I became one of the team. I was teaching little kids how to brush their teeth and, you know, started out being so nervous to answer the phone and, and they taught me everything. And by the time I finished high school, I was trimming models and setting up ortho cases. And I loved what I did there. I really did. And it never went away. So even though it took me a long time to become a dentist, um, I did my bachelor's degree first, then went to hygiene school because I didn't have enough confidence when I was younger to go to dental school right away. So did 15 years of hygiene and then went back to dental school. Wow. So 15 well, I, years. I wanna, I, yeah, I actually okay. want to touch yeah, on that let's, because- let's do that part. 
MJ, you you share quite a bit on your podcast and you share quite a bit in, you know, uh, print materials and things like that about you at the time, what the expectation was of women and you mm. going into hygiene and really that kind of being the stepping stone for you to eventually go to dental school. And of course, we'll learn about all the other amazing leadership things that you are have and are continuing to do in your profession, which is just amazing. But tell us a little bit more about that. You, you went into hygiene school. Why hygiene? Um, walk us through that. And where, so let me, too? Where did you go to hygiene? Yeah, and where? Yeah. So I went to Forsyth in Boston. Um, I figured, awesome. you know, if I was going to go to a hygiene school, I, I lived close to the, the first one or one of the first ones. I think Phones was first in Connecticut mm-hmm. and then uh, Forsyth was second. But I, uh, I'm, let me go back a little bit. So when I went into high school, my guidance counselor m- met with me. I think I was 15 or 16 years old. And um, one of the things that he said is, you know, what do you want to do when you, you graduate from high school? And, and I said, oh, I want to be a dentist. And he looked down at the papers in front of him, and then he looked back at me, and he said, well, no, dear, you want to be a hygienist. And I looked right at him and I said, I know the difference between a dentist and a hygienist. I want to be the dentist. And he looked down at the papers again and he just put his hand on my arm and he said, you're not smart enough. And that's, I got to tell you, that moment in time, that one moment in my life actually has fueled my entire life because Mm. nobody's ever going to tell me what to do. And nobody can tell me I can't do something because I'm going to prove you wrong. And that's exactly what I've done my entire life is, is just keep doing things. And I think that that's what precipitated it is just because it's not expected. It wasn't at that time expected of women to do things like I did, or even all the women that came before me that did go to dental school. I got to tell you, you have to have so much courage, um, especially the women that I met you know, at Tufts in my career, I got to tell you, these women were in classes with one other female, with no other females, no support. Um, All the faculty members, you know, really looking down upon them saying, you know what, you're taking the space of a man here and Mm. not giving them the support they needed. So the mere fact that all of these women accomplished that even before I did is amazing. Now, you know, uh, when I left Tufts last year, I think that our freshman class was about 77% female. So wow. it, it wow. went from, in 25 years, it has gone from just about I love that. 27% to 77%. So 50% increase. Which you is know, really I, nice. I want to applaud you so yes. much. Sorry, Katrina. I want to applaud you so much that in high school at such a young age, that affected you so much. And I, and I, I think of myself in high school and if someone would have said that to me, I probably would have believed them. Like I probably would have said, you know, maybe Irene of now has a little bit more Mm. confidence and insight Mm. in what my capabilities are. But back then I knew I was good at sports. I was good at languages. I was, you know, decent at math and science but if someone of a higher stature said to me, you're not good enough, I probably would have said, okay, and I would have believed them and I would have left and I would have been internally disappointed. But I don't think I, at that point, had enough um, 
motivation to stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't grew up know. In a household that also supported growth. I mean, it was just a weird mentality. Yeah. And, so and I don't I'm know amazed. where it came from. I don't know where it came mm. from, to be honest with you. Um, I, I call it my crossroads moment. You know, when you get to the crossroad, you, you have a choice to go left or right, right? I was just lucky. Many people never get to that point. They go left because they believe what somebody has told yeah. them. I was just fortunate enough to say, no, you can't tell me what to do. Maybe I was just a pain in the ass kid. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I I really don't know. So it must, they must've done something right there. Let me, let me, like, that's, that is pretty remarkable. And I'm, I wonder how many others have had that happen to them in high school and it's deterred them from making huge decisions because someone at one point, perhaps a male guidance counselor Mm -hmm. uh, who had their own motives or agendas said, you're not good enough to save that spot for someone else, maybe a less you know, smart or accomplished male. It's, exactly. it's interesting that you say that, Irene. Um, there's a there's a an icon that's going around um, recently on social media and it's two two men in this like little cartoon and one of them is a very successful businessman and the other is homeless and they both say uh, you know the little bubble out of the cartoon is my father was an alcoholic so this is the reason that I am the way I am. And it really kind of changes, you know, some of the dynamic around that. I I don't mean to say it's victim versus victor mindset, but that concept that it, you know, when you look to somebody in a position of authority, whether that's a parent, a counselor, a teacher, a mentor, whomever that is, and that person, you know, sometimes I don't think that person understands the power of the words that they use and the energy that they use. You know, we, we talk quite a bit about us being a youth and how, you know, we responded to these things, but also think about, you know, those of us who are listening, who are parents or, you know, are are mentoring or have a protege, like they, they listen to you and the things that you say like that, that will touch them and either, you know, it'll fuel them to do, to, do better and to be greater, it, it could also deter them from stepping into their power and doing something amazing. You know, it's, it's really an incredible dynamic. And I don't you, understand you what the energy that before school. that. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I apologize. I no, no, you go on. I think there's a, a, a lag. So I think we both started. Speaking yeah. Yeah. Time, the, but tell me, tell internet. me about the, what you were saying about the energy. So I think that part of it is, you know, there's a certain energy to the words that are said and how they are said. And I think Mm -hmm. it affects people different ways. And maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But I just know it affected me that way. And and I feel extremely blessed that it that it happened that way for me. Um, I it Mm -hmm. makes me extremely sad. But I will tell you that, you know, I've worked a lot with um, different students at the dental school. Some have come from absolutely nothing. Um, have no money. Somehow they found their way to get into this amazing dental school when I was at Tufts. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to meet them. And I have to tell you, they blossom into these human beings that are just amazing. And their biggest concern is going back and making sure that everybody that they were with has the opportunity that they had. And I think that that's, that's the most important thing is to understand that 
you, I was blessed. And so for me mentoring and for me going back and helping and, and, and talking about the lack of confidence that I had growing up, um, you know, because I didn't go right to dental school. I knew I always wanted mm-hmm. to be a dentist, but I didn't go because I didn't, I lacked the confidence in my own ability. So even though this person told me I couldn't do it, part of me believed him, right? So it took a mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. for me to get beyond that and to understand that I could do this. And, you know, when I, when I applied to dental school, nobody even knew my, even my husband, I was married at the time I had a five-year-old daughter. Nobody knew. I never told a single person. I just applied to two dental schools and I got into both. And it was when I got my application and my, 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 um, letter saying that I had been accepted is, is when I went to my family, I said, well, I'm going to dental school. And the one person I was worried about the most because I was a a mom, um, was my dad. And his comment to me was, well, it's about time. You've only been talking about it since you were so little that we, we all know you wanted to be a dentist, right? So, you know, I think that, that dreams are there to help spur you on and inspire you. And I think that that is the most important thing that, that we can't give up our dreams, that if they are really that important to you, that you have to figure out a way to just keep on going and keep on going until you get there. So Mm. even though it took me a long time. How did you you feel being, you said you were a hygienist for 15 years. Mm -hmm. How did you feel in your 15 years? I mean, did you ever feel like you were in the operatory and you were like, oh, I'm just, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Did you ever know that your destiny was, and I don't want to say greater because that's not a good word, but your destiny was different than what you were currently practicing. Did you ever feel like I can do this? And then moments later, I don't know if I can do it. Like how, how did you psych yourself up to finally applying and what was that 15 years like with you between your four walls doing hygiene? You know, I loved hygiene. I loved it. And kind of like Katrina, I got into it. I got into the science behind it. I really loved what I was doing. I loved treating patients. But it got to a point, and I, I will just say this because there are, are hygienists out there that feel the same way, got to a point where it was so monotonous and boring for me. It was not challenging anymore. So for me, it was always about the next challenge, right? So what am I going to do? Am I going to start my own business? Am I going to go back to school? Am I? So to me, it's important to have a challenge. So, you know, after so many years, okay, been there, done that, accomplished it. Okay, what's on the agenda next, right? And even though I'm, I'm getting, to, getting to this point where, all right, what do I, else do I need to do? I don't need to do anything else, MJ. Stop thinking about it. <laughs> you know, but it it is part of my my core nature to be challenged all the time and i love that piece i love learning new things all the time i love you know trying to stretch my ability and and figure out okay can i do i'm not sure i can do this but i've been at that place so many times that now it's just like okay what are the core elements that i need to to learn in order to get from point A to point B. And it's, to me, it's scientific at this point because I just look at at something and I say, okay, what do I need to do to get here? That seems to be my next challenge. So that's Mm -hmm. how I look at it now. I love that. And, you know, I I was thinking about what you said about how we've started to see a change in the population of students that are entering dental school. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, 
I, I wonder, and I love your thoughts on this, as we start to see more women, um, more uh, people of color, um, you know, different, um, not just different ethnicities, but even, you know, sexual orientation, et cetera, as we're starting oh, yeah. to see a lot of diversity um, in the dental school setting, I think we are seeing that that transition of um, whereas perhaps before it was, well, my dad was a dentist, my dad went to school here, my grandfather was a dentist, my grandfather went to school here. And now we're seeing um, people that really, you know, see what dentistry is, and they're excited about it, not mm-hmm. because it's a lineage. And I don't mean to diminish anybody who is in a lineage, but it seemed as though for a long time, that was a very common type of a student that you would see, particularly in dental school. And now we're starting to see trends where it's about people who are just in love with the science of it and in love with providing care to patients and in connecting with the community in a different way um, that we're starting to see that trend. Um, What do you think is the major, what was the major shift or what was that major cause that started to kind of diversify the these uh, dental school classes that have now kind of poured into permitting women like you um, to be able to step in and be in this space now. Um, and I, I and I want to talk more about the space that you're in because you and I have had this conversation many times. But what what was that that started to really open up the floodgates for others to step into the dental school space? I think in general, it's it's more acceptance, right? Uh, acceptance of people being different, or you know, acceptance of, of of cultural diversity. I guess is is the big buzzword today. But the bottom line is, I think men finally realized that women could actually do stuff. Um, and I think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's amazing. Do you like gave birth I, to oh a human, gosh. right? I want to make sure I understand this. <laughs> You know, I finally do I am, stuff. That's so funny. It, it's not in any way to diminish, you know, the male, male personality or the male heritage or anything. It's just that I think for so long, men, men, and, and maybe it's not even men everywhere, because in, in Europe, in, in different areas, in different countries, women have always been leaders in dentistry. Mm-hmm. It's only in this country that we have not been. And, huh. you know, I, I don't know where that comes from other than, you know, we've been playing this 300-year war with medicine that dentist, you know, the oral, oral health is totally separate from the rest of the body, and none of that's mm-hmm. connected. And, in reality, everything is connected, right? And yeah. so we as humans are connected. And so if, if we're not, if we're holding somebody back, we are actually holding ourselves back. And so I think that mm. our society, I mean, even thinking about, I had this conversation the other day with somebody from Moscow and he's had to up and leave the country. He's in the dental profession. He's had to up and leave the country. He had to leave behind his huge DSO. He had to Mm -hmm. leave behind all the money, you know, the house, everything. And he took his parents to another country because they just couldn't function the way Russia was functioning and in, Mm -hmm. in the kind of hostility that they have now. So you know, where does that come from? I think that our whole society in general is expanding in their openness and mm-hmm. collaboration. And I think collaboration is happening on a, a regular basis now, more so than it ever used to. 
So I think yeah. we're just we're just evolving. I, I I think a human race is just evolving, and that's why all of the changes have happened. It's not male or female. It's just we're finally at that place where we can understand each other, and we have that emotional intelligence to say it's okay. I may not agree with you, but but you be you, and I'll be me. And you know, at the end of the day, we're both good humans, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wish that I wish that it were as easy to across the board in dentistry have that mentality shift because there are still pockets within our industry that are more male dominated. Um, academia is one of them. Research is another one. Even I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times. The speaker world, the scout world, like how that all happens. Um, and even more so on the hygiene segregation from the dental side. There's this oh, yeah. like mentality that you're quote unquote just a hygienist or just an assistant or just a support team person. Um, so it's like, no, that's not quite how it is. Like you've chosen this profession for a reason. We've chosen hygiene for a reason. We've chosen mm-hmm. to be an assistant for a reason. And you can be the best at that. Um, but it, there still are very many um, – little sectors of male-dominated portions of our industry. And mm-hmm. I feel like that happens in medicine. I'm sure, mm-hmm. Katrina, you've spoken to your sister about this. Like, her field is in orthopedics for sure. No, uh, or dietary, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah. There's probably so many more men than there are women. Um, but I guess it's like, it's a good start. It's like, you know, you got to start somewhere. And the more people that talk about it, I was just at a conference last week called the Women in Dentistry Symposium, and it's a local kind of chapter, but there were 300 people. And there was a, a lawyer who who wrote an amazing book who spoke, I'll link it below. Um, and she talked about this in her industry and in, in law and how mm-hmm. um, when she uh, got pregnant and announced to her law firm that she was getting pregnant and would be going on maternity leave, you know, they had a whole binder about like what you need to do to come back and return to work, but nothing for men. Like it was just, okay, you're, you're going to continue working. I don't know. It's an interesting topic that I feel like we could talk about forever. It it for sure is an interesting topic. In fact, it's so funny that you brought up my sister because when she was uh, in her fellowship, uh, she had gone and actually trained in Russia. She, there's there are some procedures yeah. that apparently are very highly specialized to Russia. So she trained in these procedures and she was invited by a hospital to come and actually demonstrate this procedure. And so if you can imagine there, I think they call it like a theater, right? When like yeah. everyone's yeah, kind of yeah, sitting yeah. up there like and like watching. Anatomy. Like exactly. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm Izzy so she, with the popcorn. You're Izzy just with the popcorn. My mental, right. Just before my mental <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> so she, um, she comes into this hospital. She's never been there, but she's, you know, the, the performing doctor, right? And she comes in and she's, you know, all big smiles and her big, bright, curly hair and her high heels and her little dress. And she comes in and she's like, hi, uh, I'm, I'm here for the surgery um, with this, you know, and she's explaining the patient or whatever. Mr. Jones is going to be our, pa- you know, the patient. I'm, I'm here for the surgery. And the gal at the front check-in desk goes, the nurse's station is that way. And my <gasps> sister goes, Oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Sanders. And the woman, like her face just turned white. Like, mm-hmm. uh, 
because of course she because did. the assumption is always and it it happened to me in private practice it was always the fact that oh you have to be the hygienist no i'm not the hygienist i'm mm-hmm. dr hanlon you know nice sure. to meet you but it it's it's sad because we we're we're slid into these pockets where i think we have to be really conscious of the fact that we 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 don't have to put people in silos we don't have to yeah. segment everyone um, I think we'll get there eventually, but you're right. I do think that there's areas of the country, areas of the industry that are still, they still want to keep it protected. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, sad for them because it's it it limits expansion. If you're not growing, you're dying. So it, yes. th- those areas, it wherever they have constriction, if they're not growing, they're they're dying. So. And academia is one of them. I worry about academia all the time because, you know, they're so stuck in their ways of doing things. And innovation is is a buzzword they always use. But when you look at the actions, they're not taking the actions necessary in order to innovate the way they should. So let's talk about that because you... So you graduate hygiene school. You practice for several years. You get into dental school you're married, you've got a five-year-old daughter and you're like, now's a great time to go oh, to dental yeah. school right. and like pour my life into this. Perfect timing. It's <laughs> a great Let's time, do right? This. Let's just make it happen. So you go to dental school, you come out the other side, you graduate. How many women were in your um, dental school class, by the way? I, I was not the oldest. Um, Nancy uh, was 50 and we probably Nancy. had 30%. Oh, wait, we're talking about the oldest? Hold on. So how, how old were you when you started? I was 35 when I started, almost 40 when I graduated. Wow. wow. Okay. But I was wow. not the oldest. And, and so Nancy was the oldest. She was 50. And we had another classmate who actually is from Maine, where I live. Um, and he he was probably in his 40s. So had applied okay. like wow. five or six times and finally got in. And he wow. decided to go, which decided I thought was it. extremely brave for, for, for him to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And uh, how many women were in your class? I don't remember, but I never felt like we were a small amount. Um, so I would, mm. we were 30%. I remember the, the oh, percentage okay. being about 30%. That's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So you graduate from dental school and you, and you, you're still on the East coast at this time. So mm-hmm. you tell us about what happened. You graduate from dental school. Did you start practicing? Did you start teaching right away? I mean, what, what was that no. uh, journey like for you? So I did start working right away. I went back to work for a practice that I worked for as a hygienist and um, spent about a year and a half. Um, I probably would have spent longer, except that um, they decided that they were going to cut my contract by 10%, even though I had a contract for two years, a year into it, cut my pay by 10%. And so I had to start looking. I mean, at that point, you know, I understood how a dental office ran. Um, I mm-hmm. did not understand business, but I understood at least how the office ran um, and started looking for a place and found a condo, small condo, um, set it all up and um, started practicing. I uh, had my own practice within two years and started wow. from scratch. It was scary. Um, it, it, That's it was- a story I hear so often with people that have graduated and have experience and like we're like back in the 90s or even early 2000s. But now it is taking people a decade to open a practice. And yeah. I think 
because of all of the new technology, the expectations are so high that a new grad comes out of school and they work in this practice that has, you know, a milling unit and a CEREC and a 3D printer and like all of these like cool technologies. They're providing a clear aligner therapy and you're coming in from school and like you haven't really been exposed to all of this stuff. So the likelihood of you just like right away going and open an office is so low. But I feel like maybe back then it was a little bit more common. Like we had this conversation with Alan Mead who did the same thing. He like graduated dental school and opened a practice. And um, another friend of ours graduated dental school and opened a practice. And you kind of learn as you go and you make Mm -hmm. mistakes on your own patients kind of thing. But that's not Mm -hmm. happening as much anymore. Well, there's two things that are playing into that. One is, you're right, uh, academia, not, you know, well-established academic institutions are not keeping up with with the technology changes, and they are changing so rapidly, and it is so expensive. So you can't blame the schools for that. I think we have to to plan innovation and technology buys into the budgets on a regular basis. Not easy to do, not easy to switch that platform. Um, I think that COVID has affected us greatly across the country as far as the number of patients that are coming into our practices. Um, I've always believed and have shared this with with several people. uh, There's a couple of models that I think works really well, and that's sending our students where they're needed, not where we want them to be. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that there's, we could solve the access to care problem if we all just, you know, focused on the areas where the greatest needs are and either started dental practices there or purchased practices in those areas so that students and faculty would have a place to go. And quite honestly, if you ran it well, you know, it would bring a bigger return back to the schools. So I think that simple things like that can be done to help. And in those areas, you could put the technology in and could support the the learning of the students in that way. It's too slow to, to so I think about, um, you know, Tufts and, and how big every class is. We had about 210 students per class and then 25 mm, wow. internet, 25 or 30 international students. So at the end of the day, you know, you're looking at a class size of, of close to 240. To have that many units to support that many students is a lot. So it's not an easy thing for them to do. I think that, you know, they're doing a great job at least introducing items. I feel very strongly that that general dentists should be placing single unit implants, and we just don't have the place to do that either. So I think that it's just going to take time for you know, established academia to kind of catch up, but I think they have to because if they don't, they're going to start losing students to brand new programs that are really becoming innovative and starting out on the right foot. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely that's right. And I, I think that's that's the um, interesting uh, dance that we do in education is yes. um, when you think about the actual the, the reason why education is put out there, it's really to educate people to serve the community, whether that right. is, you know, through art, whether that's through dance, whether that's through writing, attorney, you know, whatever that may be. And I think um, the opportunity in dental education is looking at um, 
are our current, and I know we look at CODA here in the United States, the Commission on Dental Accreditation, but um, you know, are the things that we're doing really serving? When our students get out of dental school and they get into private practice, are they, you know, are their hands tied where they don't have the business savvy or they haven't been trained on these technologies, these things that they need to have in order to be successful? Um, and I love that your brain in your brain has always been that way. You've thought about that in so many layers of what you've done. I know that we've talked about, you know, your time as a faculty member at Tufts, but there are other things that you've done um, to position yourself as a leader in the community. So I'd, I'd love for you to share some of the other things that you've done. Um, I know that you've worked quite a bit with Yankee, um, that you're stepping into um, quite a few other leadership roles. So tell us a little bit more about what uh, Dr. MJ has done outside of uh, the education realm. So I think the, the biggest volunteer um, activity I've done is working with the Dental Society, the Massachusetts Dental Society. I'm just about finished with my tenure on the board. Um, I'm in my last couple of months of being past president. So I spent the year um, with Janice Moriarty splitting the year of COVID. Um, it was quite the, the, the time to be president of a, um, an association. Um, we couldn't get things done fast enough or provide enough services to our dentists in, in the state um, that they felt were supportive enough for them. So it was a challenging time. But you're limited by, by what, what our government structures do and how they support you. And that was clear and evident in the fact that they did not treat dentistry as part of the medical profession. And we could have been so much more supportive if they allowed mm -hmm. us to do vaccinations, if they allowed us to support them. It took them a little bit of time, a little bit too long, I think, to get us all on board and um, support the medical professionals. But, you know, you're in, in the six to nine months later, and our medical providers were just exhausted from this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and here we are still two years later, and we're still dealing with some really tough variants and some tough cases where people are still getting really, really sick. So I don't think we're quite out of the woods yet, but our medical professionals, God bless them. They just yes. put up with so much during that time, you know, no, not enough masks, not enough beds to treat patients. And, you know, I know because you guys are caring for patients, you understand this. It's, it's heart wrenching when we can't do what we want to do to help support our patients. It's really hard, uh, even more so for the medical profession, more than us in dentistry, because we're not dealing with life and death. Thank God. Um, I mm -hmm. say that that is a blessing all the time because we're not dealing with, with life and death. But we, uh, we, our medical colleagues certainly did on a regular basis, and it, it had to have been so hard emotionally and mentally. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's a big role. Wow. Yes. Sorry that sorry that I keep handing in my presentations and handouts late when I present at Yankee. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> it's like, Irene, no. you're overdue for sending in your handout. Like, shoot, that was due last week. Oh no. Sorry to my peeps listening <laughs> from Mass. I love you. I'll, See I'll you next year. Personal message to name. Dory. Yes. She'll she'll love it. Yes. She'll love it. Please tell Dory I'm sorry. And I think before that it was Laura. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so anyways, we lo we love you, we love you, oh, and it's yeah, always it's one of my funny. favorite. It's one of my favorite conferences to go to, despite it being in the coldest time of year yeah, with the most it's not unpredictable the time of year to be there. travel. Yeah. 
Right. So I, and I always underestimate because I'm from Canada. So it's cold here, like 99% of the year. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to Boston. I'm going to the US. It'll be fine. It'll be a lot warmer. No, never. And I always underdress. And then I like to walk. So like, I, I like walking from the conference all the way to Cambridge and back and over the bridges that sometimes I feel, you know, I'm going to get swept away and I'm going to be in the river. You're going to be blown away into the river. It's a beautiful city. Yeah, yeah, it it's a it's a beautiful city uh, with lots of history and lots of history within dentistry too. So yeah. I think it's a beautiful conference and um, you've done a great job. And uh, I mean, you've done not done it alone. I'm, there's no. hundreds, thousands of people that assemble annually to put that together. So thank you for you know, despite COVID still providing such high quality education. I think that's really important. As well, we, kudos as we to close our up, team. That's it. Yeah, yes. it is. Kudos, kudos to, kudos to our team. For sure. As we kind of close up, um, there's one thing that I want to learn a little bit more about. And I know Katrina, you already know kind of a tad, but tell me a little bit about, um, what is a simodont dental trainer? <laughs> Tell me about Promethean. Oh, yeah. um, Let's do this. It's, I know, mean, it's something to do with virtual education. And tell me a little bit more about that. So Promethean Dental Systems is is an it's an education and technology company. So basically, we are in the dental education space, hygiene, dentistry, and eventually in a dental assisting. But what we, the Simonot Dental Trainer is, is a company called Moog developed it. And Moog was a company that does all of the NASA um, capsules and training capsules oh, and wow. all of the um, airline pilots train on their simulators. So if you're going to learn how to land, you know, a capsule from space or uh, land an airplane, you're going to do it in a simulator that was developed by this company. So Moog sold the dental trainer to a company called Nissan, and Nissan Dental is in Japan, and the, the technology team that, that works on this is in the Netherlands. They kept it in the Netherlands because Moog was originally based in the Netherlands, or it still is at this point. Um, so basically, Promethean Dental Systems was uh, developed by two docs, um, the entire um, uh, ownership team is is created from um, people that got involved with them and are supporting them. And what their vision is, is to improve dental education through haptic technology and simulated experiences. And cool. Yeah. It, so they've spent the two docs that started it um, have spent the last 10 years creating these modules that help wow. students learn, you know, so for example, you can start with a straight channel, across a circle. But the one thing that is so special about this is that when you're looking inside the, um, the little box, there's nothing underneath it. So you have to learn how to use a mirror. You're forced to learn how to use a mirror and it's all virtual reality. And the habits- Wait, hold which on is, a second. Hold I on. Know. My brain is on fire. So if I'm envisioning this properly, and maybe this is my imagination taking me to, to like the hollow deck. She's in got Star a wild Trek. imagination. So I we'll do. see. So we'll see what is, she's this, thinking. I, I now think it might be three different things. So am <laughs> I in a simulation, a VR simulation with like, I don't know, like one of those like virtual reality glasses like on? Like standing so, inside of a first And I'm like, 
No, and I'm so wearing, you're not, like these you're magical not, you, you mittens. No, so it's not like a gaming pair of glasses. You do okay. have 3D visual glasses lenses on that help okay. you to see it in 3D, three dimensions. So it's very difficult okay. because when you don't use the 3D glasses, it, it is, looks warped. So it, right. nothing connects. So you have to wear the 3D glasses. So it is virtual reality. But the haptics okay. are, I can still hold a, a handpiece, what feels like a handpiece. I can still hold what feels like a mirror because it, it has that um, tactile sensitivity tactile to it. thing, okay. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking in the screen, you can't turn your head and look underneath and see anything. There's nothing there. Oh. Okay. So everything is in the visual box. And so when I take and I switch out my Explorer for where <clears throat> my, my handpiece and my Explorer, all I have to do is touch a button and it changes instantaneously oh, from a okay. handpiece to Oh, okay. So it's like if you're playing like a, a first-person shooter game, it's like me changing from my AK-47 to my like assault rifle. If you could I just explain no all this in arcade games about. for Irene, that would be really great. <laughs> If you can just tell me this in either Star Trek or or Call of is Duty, like then I want to stay with it. <laughs> that is so cool. And I so, feel like this is the way of education future. We all talk about the value of a hands-on course and like all of these people that need hands-on training and how do I, you know, know if I've left calculus? If, mm -hmm. And it's so difficult to do that even one-on-one -on -one with someone because what I yeah. feel, how do you how do you describe what you feel? How do you describe a color to someone that's not sitting right next to you? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this would be such an interesting addition to online learning, which we are doing so much of right now. So how Very I got cool. introduced to it was um, – we, we were struggling with, with you know, there, there are times when students need to, to have extra repetitions and extra remediation. They, they didn't do as well in their preclinical yeah. courses, let's say, as, as they could have. Or they get all the way through their preclinical courses and get into the clinic and they really don't know how to work on patients. So mm -hmm. the Seminant Dental Trainer would have come in really handy if dental schools had them during COVID because... You could sit a student down and you could just do practice session after practice session after practice mm -hmm. session on a tooth at a touch of a button, you just restart everything. And mm, it yeah. takes and tracks everything that you do <clears throat> so that you can show somebody that you have improved over a course of time. And the way Promethean is looking at this is through the spectrum of a dental career. So we are using it to test students when they apply to dental school, when they apply to hygiene school to ensure that they do have the manual dexterity. In dental schools before, it used to be that used to wax, do a wax carving or a chalk carving. But now they don't even do that. And they still, students do get in. Every one of us that have gone through dental or dental hygiene school knows that there was somebody in our class that just never got. The, the manual dexterity of how to do yeah. our role. And so That's they right. get mm -hmm. out and what happens is, you know, either they realize that this is not the profession for them, what am I going to do? And they go to research or they go into the industry or they end up in front of the state boards with complaints against them. So the spectrum goes right. from pre-dental to the academic uh, school institution and then we are also doing licensing exams with um, the CERTA organization 
and then um, continue education and then remediation for state boards. So that's what uh, my role right now as senior vice president is to, you know, run the, the, the remediation portion and do the licensing. So I worked specifically with the state boards across the country on promoting the, 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 the basics of simulation and how it, close it is to the real human. And if we are not going to be able to have enough patient experiences, we have to supplement the education with some simulated experiences for the students and really challenge them with complicated cases and with, um, you know, things that they are going to run into when they get out in private practice, but they're not always going to have that experience when they're in school. So that's where we come in really handy. Is this something that's available to anyone or is it just a currently uh, in the education model? Is this something that's going to be available to me one day if I want to learn how to do a new technique? So exactly. What's the, what's and we the future are, of this? The future will be that, that we are having conversations with DSOs. We're having conversations with state boards on objective grading. Um, one of the things mm-hmm. that I've always felt was ineffective in the licensing process was um, the subjective grading of an examiner. Um, you know, one examiner may pass you and another examiner may fail you. And it's just the, the will of the person at that moment in time. And, you know, unfortunately, our eyes can't see a half a millimeter. And that's mm-hmm. what you're dealing with. And so, you know, you may probe uh, at one millimeters on a hygiene patient and, and you know, put in a, a three as a, a measurement for your periodontal probing. Somebody else may just angle it a little bit different and get a four. Maybe they're putting too much pressure on and they're getting bleeding on probing, but they think that you left calculus or scrape cementum. I had that when I was mm-hmm. taking my, my dental boards. I knew it was cementum because I had been a hygienist for, for 15 years. I knew it wasn't calculus. I wrote it down on my, my sheet of paper, but the only section I almost failed was, was hygiene. Believe it wow. or not. When I so went through my license. In GM. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So yeah, it's just that interesting. Would be a good spot for that, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting yeah. how much things are changing because of technology, and, and we're really excited. We're at the the forefront of a lot of those changes. Um, I think that in a very short amount of time, people in the industry are, are are recognizing what Promethean is bringing to the table and how much we are going to improve the dental education um, of both hygienists and, and dentists in the next five to ten years. Absolutely. Um, mm, many of these Simidon cool. dental trainers are, are all over Europe. Um, there's about 650 across the world, and there's only 11 schools in the country that have them. So mm. not many schools have them here in this country yet. So that's what we hope to change. Wow. Cool. Still cool. working to continue pushing the future of our profession in the right direction, which I absolutely love. So thank you, Dr. MJ, for all of your words of wisdom and all of your incredible support for all the things that you're doing to empower women in dentistry. Uh, So um, y'all check out her podcast, Women in Dentistry. Uh, She's doing so many amazing things, um, not just for women in dentistry, but for our profession and our community. So thank you so much. Trina, Irina, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to chat with you guys. It's time. Well, absolutely. But tis time. Yes, we're not quite wrapped up just yet. 
There's a are specific you, section. That is, yes. Are yes. you familiar, Dr. MJ, with uh, what we do here on the Tooth or Dare podcast? I am not. What are we doing? Okay. Well, uh, at the end of every episode, Irene and I do a visually impaired version of rock, paper, scissors. The loser goes up against you. I have to say it in the Canadian because everybody wanted to hear it. And against you. Um, and you decide if you would like to dish or accept a tooth or a dare. Uh, if it's a dare, uh, it gets filmed and placed on social media within a week of the episode launching. If it's a tooth, uh, we will ask, or you can ask us something super duper steamy. Um, steamy. I do want to warn you that Irene's tooths are super steamy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's, uh, that's how we play the game here. So while, uh, we get our hands warmed up here, you can follow, uh, me, Katrina at the dental wine genist. You can follow Irene Irene on Instagram, uh, at tooth life, Irene, um, Dr. MJ, how can, uh, peeps find you? You can find me at promethean dental systems.com. You can find me at Dr. Mary Jane Hanlon.com. Awesome. And the women in dentistry.com, I guess. Um, women in dentistry. That's right. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Wonderful. You ready, Irene? I'm ready, Freddie. Let's All do right, it. Here we go. Ready? Let's get set. Rock, paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Oh, you beat me, Irene. Oh, well, she I she knows you. I always start with paper. That's why. I know. <sighs> All right, Dr. Right. MJ, you and I, wh which is it? Would you like to accept or dish a tooth or a dare? I have no idea what you're talking about, so you go ahead and choose. Have you played have you played the game Truth or Dare? No. I have no idea what you're never talking about. Never in your life as a child? You never played Truth mm -hmm. or Dare? So is no is it, way? No, I have. I don't know what you're talking okay. about. So you guys could have fun, <laughs> and I won't even okay. know the difference. Well, let's have okay. let's have some fun, Irene. Let's um, do it. Okay. Why don't you ask me a truth? How about that? Okay. I'm. You want me to ask you a truth, Irene? Irene. Let's do it right here, right now. And Dr. MJ's just letting us go willy nilly, free willy. Okay. So okay, go for I'm it. I'm kind ask of nervous to ask you because it needs to be really steamy. Ask me anything. Okay, Irene. I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you anything. <laughs> Tell us about the worst speaking engagement you've ever had to attend as a speaker. Oh my goodness. And why? Oh my gosh. So they, there's two and they're back to back. They were one day after oh another. Oh no. That's and so I oh swear, no. I swear it was like I don't know how this happened. I got invited to speak at two different study clubs and these study clubs, I mean, they were not local and, but they were in the same city. So I had offered since I was already going, there were smaller study clubs. They didn't have big budgets. So I said, I'm going to come to one. I'll come to the other the next day. You guys can split the travel and oh, then nice. it'll get you 50% closer to, to my speaking fees. So one of them was in a church, a basement of a church. Oh, and the pastor sat in on my lecture. <gasps> and during my lecture, I talked about sexually transmitted diseases because it was the connection between oral and systemic health and the sure. bacteria that's found in the mouth. Some of them are highly found in the genital mm. areas of men and women. So uh, <laughs> the entire time I'm standing on this stage staring at this pastor, 
who's staring at me and I'm thinking, oh my and gosh, you're talking if, I about say genitals. UTI, if I say UTI one more time or gonorrhea <laughs> one more time, I'm going to like, and I'm in the basement of a church, I'm going to be set in flames. Oh, so man. I was like, this can never happen again. So the next day I go to my second speaking engagement, which happens to be in the basement of a synagogue. Oh no, the I rabbi was the rabbi was <laughs> in the basement of the synagogue and it was the same lecture. So wow. Was, so you're just sitting there probably... talking to talking to a bunch of holy men about <laughs> genitals. You know what, Katrina? Yeah. That was perfect because I could never have made up a story like that. I mean, oh. that was it's not, unbelievable. It's not made up. It's she's, not, she's real got a life. lot of stories. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. My goodness gracious. Oh, that's so good. Well, thank thank you everyone for tuning in to another lovely episode of the Tooth or Door podcast. We hope you were enlightened with uh, our guest, Dr. MJ Hanlon. Um, Until next time, peace out, peeps. Cheers. Bye. We're back. We're back from the footy flip, you guys. Yeah. On I'm going to moonwalk out of here. Well, I don't we know. We hope you <laughs> enjoyed that very amazing episode. Oh, How enlightening. How fantastic. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. I, she, she really, yeah. you know, helps to give a lot of perspective about where we are in dentistry, women in dentistry, the, the yeah. state of where education is going, you know, the opportunities yeah. we have to really move forward. Yeah. And I, I just, I respect her so much for her smarts yeah, I'm and interested her wit. to see what happens with Promethean, like her dental system and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, all of, it's all very of the cool, cool things um, yeah. that are happening gotta, in, yes. in and around Keep watching the Massachusetts her. area. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And thanks again to our peeps at Designs for Vision. Check out yes. the show notes below to get some info on how you can try out the Infinity View loops and, you know, yes. keep being amazing. We so love you. Check out those loops they're they're incredible yeah. so Check. yes make it happen okay. oh my gosh, do it. cheers cheers <laughs> cheers to you i want you to tell oh i don't me think she's we are i don't think she sent us an email getting a good deal on it. i'm just gonna go ahead and call her hello i'm trying to get in i'm here you Wait. are in oh shit I didn't know you were there. <laughs> I, I, I might have some insight if you want to forward me that quote. <laughs> oh, good God! Please tell me you're not you're not you're not recording this yet. Please tell oh, me we are. Yeah, oh, we, we are. are. But we'll we'll this, crop it, all that up. <laughs> yeah. We might throw it in the bloopers at the end. We'll see how it goes. Oh my gosh, the bloopers in the end would be fun, wouldn't it?